Turn again to Psalm 119, a passage we read a few moments ago. Just to bring some of you up to speed where we've got to in this psalm, as we've been studying it here at Gordon Road over the past months. <clears throat> it's an alphabetical psalm. I suggest it's a psalm of David, a psalm which, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he focuses his attention, his heart's desire upon the word of God. Begins there in verse 1 of 119, blessed are the undefiled, um, blessed are that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. And the blessed it comes from those who seek, and that word there, seek, is a reoccurrence, it's something repeated, a repetition, it's not a one-off experience, and it's a heart desire. It's a heart to know more of God and to walk in his ways. The man or woman who does that is blessed. They're kept. They're happy. Happy in the Lord their God. It speaks here about those who do no iniquity. They're not rebellious as the people in Psalm number two. As we once were a rebellious and a stiff-necked people until the grace of God came and touched our hearts with saving grace. Again, this psalmist speaks much about keeping the commandments. Verse 4, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Verse 5, That my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Again in verse 8, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. This man has a determination. He's determined to obey the word of God. We can translate that word keep to be obedient. The second portion of Psalm 119 speaks of coming to the Lord when you're young. When you're young, it's a good time to come and know the Lord and to be instructed in his ways. Wherefore shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed Thereto, according to the word of God. Again, we see his determination. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. This is a, a thing we have, don't we? We're wanderers. Even when we know the grace of God, even when we know the truth, we are prone to wander. We're like silly sheep. And David prays, oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Again, that's a word for the word of God, commandments, precepts, statutes. And then he says, verse 11, Thy word have I hid. The best thing is the word of God. Not gold or silver, not riches, not our wealth and our clothing, not our position in society. The best thing is the word of God, and I have hid thy word in mine heart, that I may not sin against thee. The best thing, the word of God, hidden in the best place is heart for the best purpose, that he may not sin against his God. He speaks there of rejoicing in verse 13. Verse 14, I've rejoiced in all the way of my testimonies as much as in all riches. And he makes a determination. I will meditate in my precepts and have respect unto my ways. Again, I will it's a question of the will, isn't it? He's not a man who's tossed to and fro. 
he has a mindset. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? I will meditate on thy precepts. I will meditate on the word of God. I will delight myself in the word of God. I will not forget the word of God. So this man is, is building up this picture of his Christian character. This is who we are to be like. This is not just for David or some saint who's reached a, a certain pinnacle. No, this is for Christians. This is for you and for me. This is how we're to live. These are our goals. These are our aims. He speaks in verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant. Verse 23, princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. It's a challenge for you, it's a challenge for me. Do I have that servant heart? Do I have a servant mind? We're no longer our own, we've been brought with a price. You are not your own. You're not self-willed men and women. We are under the authority of a sovereign God. We are servants. The Apostle Paul speaks about being a, a bond slave. He's one who's had his ear pierced against the doorpost, and he is committed to a certain master. And that's how we should be. This is David's heart. He's a great king, a warrior, a poet, a great man. Yet he has that, that servant heart. Does that describe me? Does that describe you? This is what we are aiming at. This should be our desire, not to rule, but to serve the people of God. In the other section here of 25 onwards, it talks about my soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. And he speaks of certain things he has chosen. In verse 30, he says, I have chosen the way of truth. My judgments have I laid before me. This is a deliberate choice. He's examined all the evidence, all the other religions and the philosophies of the world. And he has chosen the way of truth. And by God's grace, we have chosen the way of truth. We have chosen the way of truth because God has revealed that truth to us. There is nothing in us which will attract us to the truth. And as we've been attracted to it, David makes this conscious decision, I have chosen the way of truth. And verse 31, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. He's not moved. He's not diverted. He's not distracted. He's stuck like you would stick a piece of glue paper to a table, immovable, he's stuck, he's not tossed to and fro for every wind and doctrine, he is stuck unto God's testimonies, thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame, and then another commitment he's made here in verse 32, I will run the way of thy commandments, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Some Christians, they just sit. Some just walk. But this Christian here, this believer, he's running the race set before him. He's running for the prize. 
He's looking, his eyes fixed on that prize, and he's running toward it. He speaks here that God would deal bountifully with my servant, that I may live and keep thy word. This man has a desire for a spiritual life. He has a spiritual appetite. These should be the marks of a Christian. These are the marks of a Christian. Another mark he has here in verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. He has a teachable spirit. Time and again in the first part of this psalm here, he's praying the Lord to teach him. He hasn't arrived at all there is to know of God. Impossible. So he prays that he may have a teachable spirit. And he wants God, teach me, O Lord, to be his teacher. The Lord God, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. You see that determination again? Give me understanding, I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. He's a wholehearted believer. He's not here today and gone tomorrow. When the word of God is proclaimed, he's there. He pays attention to it. This is his delight. This is his food. This is nourishment. This is refreshment. But he still prays with a humble spirit. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Not only does he pray for understanding, he prays, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Incline my heart unto my testimonies and not to covetousness, not to the things of this world, not the trinkets and bangles. He wants the testimonies of God. Turn away my eye from beholding vanity, empty things, vain idols, and quicken me in thy way. Coming to our section tonight, verse 41. He speaks here of the Lord's mercies. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. The word there, mercies, we can translate as love. Let thy love come also unto me. It's that rich Hebrew word, chesed. It speaks of the loving kindness of God the mercies of God, the faithfulness of God. And this is what David is praying for. Let thy mercies come also unto me. As I look at you, and you look at me, you see a, a trophy of mercy. Trophies of grace, aren't they? God has come to us. Um, Spurgeon gives some insight into this in his treasure of David. He says here, mercies what a mass of mercies. What a heap of mercies God has supplied unto us. Deliverance from evil. Just ponder that for a moment. Deliverance from all evil, both now and forever. God has his hand upon you for good. God will deliver. He has delivered. He speaks of mercies which spared us before our conversion. If I was to ask for your testimony, 
particularly those who came from families which had no biblical influence whatsoever, like myself, what mercies can you recite? What tender mercies? Where would you be tonight if it wasn't for the mercy of God as he came and broke into your life with those tender mercies? Some of us were into drugs and alcohol and other negative things, and yet his tender mercy reached down to us, plucked us out of that gutter, and raised us up. Those tender mercies which spared us before our conversion. Those mercies which preserve us day by day when we're traveling. We don't know what you've been preserved from at times. There will be a day when we will. These mercies, masses of mercies. And Spurgeon goes on to say, a calling mercy. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you by name, he called you. He called you by name. Not just willy-nilly, but by name. A calling mercy. A regenerating mercy. We couldn't regenerate ourselves. Nicodemus comes to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. It's impossible for us to do that. We don't have the power, we don't have the ability. But by God's grace, we are born again. Tender mercies. Do you reflect on these things? The mercies of our God? A converting mercy. A justifying mercy. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. A pardoning mercy. Daily, God has pardoned us of our sin and cleansed us from all iniquity. And that word mercy is all summed up in a word here, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation. What a mercy. God has blessed us with salvation. And it's the first time these words are being brought together in this psalm. Let thy mercies also come unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation. It's not something that you've worked through. It's something that God has given and gifted to his people, according to thy word. Verse 42, so shall I have whereof to answer. Because of what's gone before, these mercies and his salvation, because of these things, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. We are reproached. We're despised. But the psalmist here seeks the word of God to comfort him and to strengthen him, to give an answer for the reason of the hope that is within him. He speaks here in verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. These were the men who approached him. David was a king. He had access to kings. We don't have that. Maybe we will one day. I spoke the other week to the Bible study here of Richard Woodman, reminded them of Richard Woodman from Warburton, who was an ironmaster, and he was brought up before the authorities because he put his trust and confidence in the word of God. He was a man who had chosen 
verse 30, the way of truth. He was a man who stuck unto the testimonies of the Lord. And he was a man who ran in them testimonies. He would not be persuaded of his belief as he read and as the Spirit gave him understanding. You think of, of Luther, again, brought up before the authorities to deny his writings. And he said, I can do no other but stand here. He was immovable. They gave an answer. They wouldn't debate with Luther. So shall I have a way with to answer him that reproacheth me. For I trust in thy word. This is their confidence. Woodman, Luther, and others, their confidence was in the word of God. And Christian friend, that is where your confidence should be. Not to be ashamed of the gospel. Not to blush when you're asked to give an answer for the hope within you. We have nothing to be ashamed of. This is the word of God. This is the truth. This is God's revelation to you and to I and to the world. He speaks in verse 43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I had hoped in thy judgments. Because he had hoped in God's judgments, he can say, verse 44, So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. Again, that word keep, which we saw in the opening parts of this psalm. So shall I keep. In other words, we can translate that word, I will obey it. This is what God is looking for in his people. Those who are obedient to the word of God. Again, Christian friend, does that describe you? Does that describe me? So shall I keep thy law. We are those who keep the law of God. Not just on a Sunday, but always. He says here, so shall I keep thy law continually, forever and ever. There's three Hebrew words there. Continually can be translated always, forever, eternally, and ever, forever. So there's this, this free, there's this triad of words here which are describing David's desire, determination to always eternally keep the word of God. We can say non-stop obedience. Now these are high things, aren't they? Particularly in our day and generation. As I suggested this morning, obedience is to be despised. Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. But no, for the Christian, it's this non-stop obedience to the word, to the testimonies, to the statutes and the precepts of a true and living God. And Satan will whisper in your ear, you don't need to be that serious. You, know, don't, you don't need to be that committed. You've got to be restrained. You won't be able to enjoy yourself. You won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. And David has an answer to that accusation. Verse 45. And I will walk at liberty. I will walk at liberty. Not restrained. Not imprisoned. Not bound by chains not bound by the things of this world. 
I will walk at liberty in a wide place. Being obedient to the word of God brings you liberty and freedom. Hmm. And wise don't quite understand that, does it, do we? We think there are rules and regulations. But keeping these statutes, God grants the believer liberty. Are you walking in liberty or are you bound? I will. It's emphatic. I will walk at liberty. And as I walk at liberty, I will seek thy precepts. He's a seeking man. He's never arrived, has he? There's always more to learn of the character and attributes of his God. For I seek thy precepts. Because he has his liberty, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings. He has a testimony. He has a word to speak. As I suggested, you won't be speaking to a king, but you'll be speaking to a neighbour or a colleague at work. I will speak of my testaments also before kings and will not be ashamed. And verse 47, he says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments because he has a love he has a delight. Because he has a delight, he has a love. They, they feed off one another. They, they produce this mutual respect for love and delight. I, I will delight myself in thy commandments. It's a challenge for us tonight. We try to have loved. We try to have loved. Are you a lover of the commandments of God? There's much antinomism in the church today. We are, we're under grace, no longer under law. Jesus said, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And David says here, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. David had much to say about love in his psalm. <clears throat> in verse um, <clears throat> 48, again, he, he repeats it. My hands also will lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and will meditate in thy statutes. It's almost as if he's, he's reaching out for the commandments of God. As he raises his hands. He's stretching every limb and fiber in his body to understand and to know these commandments, which I have loved. He speaks of love again in verse 97. Oh, how love I my law. It is my meditation all the day. Again in 113, I hate vain faults, but thy law do I love. 119, thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. 127, therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. The king, he said, riches and splendor, and yet they are nothing. They're dross to this man. What's important to him 
causes him to love are the commandments of God. He knows that these words are pure and trustworthy. Verse 140, thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Pure, clean, spotless, refreshing. This is where David refreshes his soul by drinking in the pure word of God. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. This is the heart and mind of our God revealed to us. The full and complete revelation that God has given to the church and to his people. And it's a pure word. And because it's such, David can say, my servant loveth it. Consequence of this love is found in 165. Great peace of they which love thy law. Great peace. What does the world want at this time? Peace. But great peace is to be found in the word of God. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend him. We live in a world of war and rumor of war, a world full of anxiety, Get in your electric car, anxiety, will I get to my destination? Anxiety about the climate, anxiety about the future days, anxiety about my pension. All these are relieved as we consider God's word. Great peace have they which love thy law. Because when we have the word of God abiding in our heart, it pushes all these fears all these concerns away. We know that our sovereign God is exactly that. He is sovereign. And nothing in this world will change his plan and his purpose, which is working out day by day. Verse 167 of our psalm, my soul have kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I love them exceedingly. How is that love expressed? Surely it's gathering together as the people of God to hear the preaching of the word of God. Surely it's, it's coming to the Bible study. Are there other means which are open to us to hear God's word? It's a shame that we live in a day where we neglect the meeting together one with another. And Jesus said in John 16, <clears throat> verse 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. In verse 23, same chapter, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him. Make her abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. If a man love me, he will keep my words, 
and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. The abode in our hearts is to be kept through the word of God. None other. Not the singing of our songs and our hymns. Not through the miracles of the supposed day. It comes through a love of the testimony and precepts of our God. If you love me, the Savior says, you will keep my words. And David says, and I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. And my hands also but I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and will meditate in thy statutes. Spurgeon again says something quite interesting about this abode, this lodging of the Spirit of God or the Word of God in our hearts. He says, David loved the Scriptures, but he longed experimentally to know the salvation contained in them. He wasn't happy with a head knowledge. He wasn't happy with the facts and figures. He wasn't happy with the arguments that he could bring forth. He was not satisfied to read the Word He longed to experience its inner sense. And that is what this psalm is speaking of. The inner sense. Not some mystical experience. Not some sort of second blessing. But the word of God abiding richly in our hearts. Through the power of the living word through the spirit of the living God. So David brings to us tonight, end of this year, the beginning of a new year, a challenge of how we express our love for the word of God in our private devotions and in our corporate worship as the people of God. David loved God's word. Do you? May the Lord give us grace to Press forward in this coming new year to his praise and to his glory. Amen. 823. Great God, we sing that guiding hand by which supported still we stand. 823. <clears throat>